1: Welcome along to Rocky Road Rewind, where we'll be reviewing some of the forgotten and some unforgettable moments that have ever taken place in the ring. I'm Simon Maguire, and on this week's show, I'm delighted to be joined
2: by boxing writer, for the Irish son, Kevin Byrne, and by head trainer at Celtic Warrior Gym in Dublin,
1: Paddy Collins. Welcome to the show, guys. Thank you. Hi, Hayden. This week's show is Kevin's choice. Kevin, what have you got for us? Um, we're bringing it back to June 11th, 2005. A very famous night for Irish boxing. It is, of course. Kevin McBride's victory over Mike Tyson which sent the baddest man on the planet into retirement. Pascal Collins, you were in the corner for Kevin McBride that night and it was truly an unforgettable one.
3: Yeah, yeah, 15 years, wow, it's it's flown through 15 years and funny enough I was only with Kevin uh, in Boston about three weeks ago, three, four weeks ago and he's you know, Kevin's still Kevin. He's uh, in great form. He's still talking about the Tyson fight and you Know but why wouldn't he? You know, he, he retired uh, the baddest man on the planet, so uh, it was great memories, it really was. Yeah, so I'm gonna take you back to uh June 11th or Ju- the, the month of June
1: 2005. Uh, the UK number one was and also an unforgettable song, but for for the wrong reasons Crazy Frog by Axel Foley. Oh, god, you didn't have that as your ringtone, <laughs> uh, no, <It's-> never. <laughs> Yeah. In the U.S., in the U.S., box office number one film was Madagascar. Uh, I'm not sure if you've seen that one. Came uh, what well, followed was Mr. and Mrs. Smith, which was uh, dreadful I thought The mountain sport was interesting. The Lions toured uh, New Zealand, so Brian O'Driscoll captained the visitors down in uh, New Zealand, and we we'll never forget what happened to him in the first test. And um, boxing, there was a couple of ones. Uh, Mayweather, Floyd Mayweather Jr. beat Arturo Gatti in Atlantic City. Uh, yeah on the same night as McBride Tyson, you Miguel Cotto getting revenge, uh, having lost in the Olympics against Mohammed Abdoliyev, um he beat him, TKO at Madison Square Garden. And the week before Kevin McBride against Mike Tyson, we had another uh another popular fighter retiring a legend when Ricky Hatton beat Costa Zoo in Manchester. Uh, and like Mike Tyson, he failed to answer the bell. So uh yeah, do you remember that month pretty well, lads?
3: Well, funny enough, talking about movies, but, you know, just going to the, the, the time we spent in Washington, we arrived down to Washington a week before the fight uh, to finish our preparations. And actually, myself and Kevin went to watch Cinderella Man. Actually, it was about three days before the fight, me and him went to watch Cinderella Man. So that actually had premiered around that time as well. And I said to Kevin, you know, this, this is you, Kevin. You're the, the new Cinderella Man. And, uh, you know, so that, that was a great movie. That, uh, every time I watch that film it reminds me of our uh, time in Washington Yeah the true
1: story of James J Braddock uh, World Heavyweight Champion I think Irish parents James J Braddock
3: So uh,
1: big inspiration for Kevin No doubt How do you think Russell Crowe did the job as, as an actor?
3: Fantastic Fantastic But i tell you who I loved Was uh, is it is, is that Was that the guy who played his manager? Apology. Paul Giamachi That's right yeah I love him I love him I watch him in Billions So I thought he was brilliant in the film Russell Crowe played a great part. He was playing a fighter. But the manager's role, I Gio you, I took her off to a tee. It was, it was a fantastic film, the ending. And only for it was a true story, you wouldn't believe it. You know, so we, as I say, we had our same. We, You know, a couple of days later, we had another uh, iconic moment with Kevin. He became the Cinderella man off the time because nobody, you know, I don't know anyone that actually expected him to win besides, you know, is very close to him. At this stage, Pascal there, Mike Tyson is twenty years on the road,
1: uh, yes. and he's gone from being the most feared most formidable heavyweight in the world to post maybe the Holyfield fights and lose and stuff he's He's under decline he's his last fight before fighting Kevin McBride is against Danny Williams, and he loses that's eleven months previously and he's broke he's bankrupt he's bankrupt uh, declared bankrupt two thousand and three and he's broke, but he's still he's got this aura about him and Kevin McBride, your fighter. Was uh, a heavy underdog, not expected to win, not expected to last half
3: half the fight. Well, no, the 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 thing about it was when Danny Williams fought Kevin, Kevin had been lined up to fight Tyson then, but there was issues over money with 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 uh, Finkel and Kevin's manager's time. Uh, Richie Capiello So there was You know Dispute over monies So But they wanted Kevin Because they thought Kevin was just going to be A a pushover And if you look at Kevin's career Some of his loss in his career He lost the kind of You know Opponents Guys that weren't You know Top tier fighters But the, The Kevin that I know See I lived with Kevin Kevin came to me in America When his career ended in this side of the world, you know, I got a coffee, but brother Steve So Kevin's here. He wants to give it a shot in America. So Kevin came over. We ended up living together. That's how the Tyson fight came about, how I came to, you know, train Kevin for that fight. Um, alongside our, our great trainer, Goody Petronelli. But the, 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 at the time it was, uh, you know, it was a case of, we got to do everything for Kevin to win this fight. We knew, you know, the the plus thing we had got was, was the fact that the fight didn't happen with kevin at the time with Tyson it happened with Danny Williams and Tyson. So I believe that, you know, gave us the edge because Tyson was coming off a loss and we knew I mean you know you'd be feel to say fool to say that he was the same Mike Tyson as as True's crew. He wasn't. He was he was he was a shadow of the man, the fighter he was. However, he was still Mike Tyson. He was still a big name. And if you look at a lot of world champions that's around nowadays people that people are calling you know the best pound pound fighters you know, they beat a lot of good fighters, but it was really at the end of their careers, so, you know, unfortunately, the new the new guy's coming up, and uh, and, and and Kevin wasn't a new guy coming up, he'd been around for a long time, and Kevin, you know, never really reached the, uh, the, the the you know, the big wins because he didn't live the life, and I knew that because I lived with Kevin, so I knew Tyson's coming to the end of his career, he's, he's coming off a loss, he's beatable, he's getting old, and if Kevin was to do things right, maybe, for this fight, he can beat him, and, um, and he did.
1: So uh, it's it's funny you said um, Kevin wasn't living the life, but I wanted to ask you like who, who what's Kevin McBride like when you come across him when you first meet him? Uh, what sort of fighter is he? How dedicated is he? Um, personality wise, what what are you coming across here?
3: Well, as I said, I know Kevin since the amateurs because we boxed on shows together. But you know, I didn't, personally didn't know him that well. I knew him from fighting on shows. Uh, I I boxed myself and Kevin fought in the undercard of Lennox Lewis in the three Arena. I think in '96. we fought in the same card. It was a Sunday afternoon. You know, we shared a dressing room. Uh, Myself, you know, when Kevin was with Frank Maloney, he actually fought in Boston once on on the same card as myself. We shared a card then as well. So we always had a good connection. So when Kevin's career ended this side of the world, himself and his friend arrived my brother Steve's gym, and he said, you know, we'd love to go to America to do something for us. So they called me. I spoke to Goody. And uh, Kevin came over. So it turns out then we ended up living together. Myself and Kevin, uh, his partner lived there as well at the time. And um, Kevin's a lovely guy. Kevin, Kevin's the kind of person, he's very inoffensive. He would put himself down, you know, he, he used to put himself down a lot. Um, he never really held himself, you know, that high as far as, as a person or as an athlete. It was always a case of jokingly, you know, sure, if I can get a few out of this for you or if I can go six rounds in this for you. But one thing he was, was a brave man. He was brave. He was afraid of nobody. You know, I I, I watched him take calls in the, in the apartment, you know, about fighting. It was a case of how much am I getting? Who am I fighting? Yeah, no problem. He didn't care who he fought. He was afraid of nobody. He actually was scared of nobody. And he was a big, strong, tough man. Um, But he didn't have you know, much belief in himself. And he he's he's a self-professed alcoholic. So he drank a lot. You know, there was days when he said he was going to work. He wasn't going to work. He was going to sit in a coffee shop, having coffee, and then going to the bar. I knew all these things personally. A lot of other people didn't know, and I knew a lot of his losses was down to the fact that he didn't train hard. You know, he, he would turn up at the gym. He would turn up the gym and he bar. you know, he'd do his bit of training, but, you know, th- there was never really that motivation for him because he was going into fights basically to get paid and do his best. Yeah. So I knew just Kevin and, and then, you know... I don't know what to say about him but uh he's, he's a really really good person i i, <laughs> I sat on trivia we still had a laugh I would Ray Mallette over training in South Boston for his fight in Boston you know Kevin turned up at the gym he sat there with us while, while Ray Mallette trained he did the same when Niall Ken he used to come out he'd chat to Niall and Spike he always we always met up you know we're really good friends me and Kevin and mm-hmm. we were good friends as to say we were we were roommates and then when the Tyson fight came about um we were you know we were getting ready. I was to fight in I was to fight in a card in Foxwoods. Uh, John Dudley was the main event. Kevin was the undercard, and I was fighting on the same card. And this was the fight that was getting Kevin the Tyson fight prior to the Danny Williams and Tyson. And I got a really bad cut. But me and Kevin had been trained together, so Kevin says, "Will you continue getting me ready? Because you know, if I didn't get him out the road, he wouldn't have went running. If I didn't get him in the car, he wouldn't have drove to the gym. So I continued with this, and he had this win. And then he said, "Listen, if we get the Tyson fight, will you train me for it? You know." And this wasn't a case of like Goody was getting cut out of the picture. Goody was still our trainer. He was my trainer. it was Kevin's trainer. I was like. But that the 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 problem was not just getting kevin to the gym the problem was locking kevin away somewhere and and you know basically getting a hotel room or you know just locking myself in with him and doing our own training aside and you know and it, it was a bloody hard it was hard work but you know he gave me everything i asked him to do you know i said if i went to camp for kevin you know do what i ask and and he did He's he a very giving kind of person, but you know, I, I believed in him. And a few people around us believed in him, but you know, and, and other people didn't. And you know, you know, you can't really blame him because on paper yeah. he, was, uh, he wasn't he wasn't that kind of great fighter. You're doing lockdown before all of us are experts in lockdown. And how did you
1: manage to keep him indoors? How did you manage to keep him under wraps? I'm sure there was times he was just desperate to get out and you know, desperate to go well, for a few years or
3: whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well well Kevin Kevin wrote an article in the paper one day saying that you know, tell the story about him being an alcoholic. I think Kevin's about six, seven years now in sobriety, and goes to the meetings. And you know, he doesn't hide that fact. But at the time, I knew Kevin liked to drink. I didn't realize he was an alcoholic. Um. So literally, what happened was I lived in Boston with my wife. Kevin lived in Boston with his partner. We were only an hour's drive from Brockton, so you know, re- you know, realistically, we could have drove up and down to the gym every day and done our training from our homes, but. I tried that for a week with Kevin, and he wasn't turning up for the runs, and I was having to go look for him. So I decided, you know what? Let's book a hotel. So we booked a hotel right in Brockton uh, on a place called W. I think it's called D.W. Field Park, is where Rocky Marciano used to do all his runs. So it's iconic, you know. It's Rocky Marsh's hometown, Brockton. It was right beside the gym. So we booked into a, a, a Radisson hotel for eight weeks. It started off. I had a room. Kevin had a room. Uh, after I think two nights into our camp, I remember you know, out in the balcony. It was a really hot night but one o'clock in the morning. I see Kevin walked across the car park and it was like and there was a kind of a bar at the end of the car park. It was not kind of go in that direction at one o'clock in the morning. training camp was like, All right, Kevin, where are you going? All right, I'm just going for a walk. I was like, all right, but I knew. I knew he probably needed a drink or maybe he maybe he was just going for a walk. So I didn't trust the I didn't trust uh, you know the alcohol side of things in, in camp. So I went the next day to the reception. I said, "Right, can you give us a suite? So we basically got us a suite where he was in one room and I was in the other. And the room I was in was at the front door and literally put my bed by the front door. And I said, Right, you know, we gotta put Kevin in lock up for eight weeks. Um, it was hard work. I had to order his foods from because I knew that, you know, even though he's a heavyweight and he doesn't have to worry about making weight, you still have to eat really good food. You're an athlete, you're you know, you're a a thoroughbred. You gotta eat like a thoroughbred and I had to organize as uh I organized strength work because you never really worked done strength work so we, we there was a Russian guy out there at the time and and he was big into these things called kettlebells which was fifteen years ago we knew nothing about it. Um if I had a oh my life's 15 years I could have made a fortune from kettlebells. But he worked with Kevin doing this kettlebell training. I also brought in a hypnotist, uh, a psychotherapist on board because my brother Steve had used this for uh Tony Quinn but, but we had different reasons. My reasons were to give Kevin a little bit of self-belief in him. You know, the fact that he can win this fight, there's a chance that he can win this fight. And if he gives his, his all, he can win this fight. If not, he can give a great account of himself. So we brought in a hypnotist. Uh, we got the right diet going. We got the best of sparring partners, you know. We, uh, I called around people, got sponsorships, Model Sports, and Brockton came on board. And so we got them great sparring partners. And, you know... The camp went really well. However, it was eight week lockdown. And, you know, at the end of it, I thought, I'm going to go off my trolley here. I just can't, I would not be able to do this again. I couldn't do it again. I'd never done it again with Kevin. <laughs>
1: yeah. You get to fight week and you start coming up close and personal with Mike Tyson. And he's still, um, he's still quite menacing. Uh, close as he, I, I presume. He didn't seem quite menacing after the fight in his post fight interview. But one quote I see from him talking about McBride, how the fight's going to go. Mike Tyson says, "I'll gut him like a fish." I, I didn't do a Mike Tyson impression there, but I wanted to. But uh, was he daunting? Was he a, was he an intimidating force in in the press kind of conference and media conferences that week?
3: Well, think about it. Like like Tyson's era was the was the nineties, you know. So in the nineties, the early nineties, I was a teenager. I was a young teenager. So. Looking at him, he to me, him to me was like the bogey, the, the, the bogeyman of boxing. You see Mike Tyson to the corner and they're scared because, and by the way, a lot of fighters that he beat were scared before he even stepped in the ring of Mike Tyson because he was just, you know, he was just pure aggression and anger and he didn't want to beat you. He wanted to hurt you badly and you could see it in his face. So Mike Tyson was the the, the boogeyman of boxing, you know, heavyweight division. So even though he's that bit older and you're that bit older, when you see this guy, you know, he's still the boogeyman. He still wants to kill you. He still wants to smash it. He wants to break it. He wants to hurt you. You know, thankfully at the time, he was that little bit old and he couldn't do it, but absolutely. And, and, you know, that that quote that you mentioned, that came from a, a press conference that we had in um, Washington and that was coming up to the, the up to fight week. And literally, we were in, um, oh, there's a college, there's a college in, um, in Washington. Oh my God. I can't think of the name of it, but it's, it's African-American college. Okay. You, 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 Howard, Howard University. Yeah. So, so we're in Howard University and I think, you know, we were the only white people there. Me, Kevin, his manager, trainer, and it was daunting. You know, we were treated really well with respect, um, Actually, Rock Noon was there, but he doesn't. Re- I don't think he realised that he's a white man. The way he was talking, he was rapping on. He was talking about, you know, <laughs> he reminded me of the character from uh, Pineapple Express. You right, know, yeah. yeah. So it was daunting, and I remember Kevin's uh, manager at the time. Um, Rich Cap gets up and he's he's talking about, you know, Mike Tyson. He's going, You know, Mike, you're a great fighter, but you're finished, you're done, you know, your time is gone. My guy Kevin's gonna be you know. And Tyson was kind of reacting to Rich Cap, going, sit down, shut up. You're gonna get your fighter hurt. You're gonna get your fighter hurt. I'm gonna gut your fighter like a fish. You know, so that's when them comments came about. Tyson, he wasn't really uh he wasn't being aggressive in the press conference, he wasn't being You know he's being quite respectful at the press conference until Kevin's manager start, you know, getting that uh, at Tyson. That's when Tyson. That's when you seen the real side of Tyson come out, and that was the scary part. And I was like, because I thought Tyson in the press conference was quite mild and mild mannered, respectful the top. Mm, He's kind of mellowed a bit, but then at the flick of a switch, you could see the nasty side of of, of Tyson. And I was like, yeah, he's still dangerous. You know, he's still got to beware of him and. You know, he's, 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 as you he's see in the fight, he, he tried to break Kevin's arm. He beat Kevin. He headbutted Kevin. He'd done all the stuff Mike Tyson wanted to do. He just was that little bit too old to uh, see it through. Thanks. So, uh,
1: Goody Petronelli tells the Showtime team that the plan is to keep Tyson behind the jab. Uh, they weigh in uh, McBride's 271 pounds and Tyson is 233 pounds. Uh, he's, he's probably 10 pounds over his career best or thereabouts. There's six years between them and... Uh, McBride at six foot six and Tyson five foot nine, five foot ten, whatever he was, even closer to five foot eight, they said. Um, so, if the plan is to keep him behind the jab, we can see in the, in, in the first 30 seconds, Kevin McBride is uh, warned for leaning on uh, Tyson as well uh, by the referee Joe Cortez. Uh, he's been yes. booed into the ring, uh, Kevin McBride, uh, with the Pipers playing for him in the center ring, but he's been booed into the ring. But, um, he doesn't really care any focuses on the job, so the first round we see him we see him um yeah like like I said, warned after thirty seconds uh but he's he's letting his hands go as well and are you encouraged by the first round because Mike Tyson is known for taking people out in the first round, and McBride survives it and thrives even
3: yeah well well why we were at the hotel myself and kevin um you know, we went to the gym at night. We'd go to the gym at night for the sparring. But as far as the pad work and heavy work was done, my seven Kevin would do that at the hotel during the day. You know, we'd work on certain aspects of the of the of the plan, of the game plan. And I remember what, driving around in the car with me and Kevin, and he, we, we, we hired this Jeep a little, uh, uh, little video screen on I think fifteen years ago, you know, that was a big deal. And I remember getting some DVDs of Tyson's fights. And I remember what I, I, I remember noticing the fight when he fought Lennox Lewis. When Lennox Lewis got inside with Tyson, or when Tyson got inside Lennox Lewis Lennox Lewis lean, leaned on him and put all his body weight on Tyson and I remember my brother Steve was very good at that too and I watched my brother Steve in, in sparring and training camp in certain fights and he'd you know he'd wrestle guys onto the ropes and when he gets inside he'd put his body weight and lean you know it would take nothing out of him but putting your body weight in somebody else you know would take a little bit out of him so I remember talking to Kevin one day I says, you know what Kevin I says Tyson's going to get inside you that's how we fight you know if you try to keep someone off you you won't. You'll drain yourself. You'll weigh yourself out, unless you're a Sugar Ray Leonard or a Jones Jr. who can move, or, or even a Mayweather. I said, Kevin, you're going to weigh yourself. You're going to drain yourself. But when he does come inside, use that. I said against him, put your, head in, put your chest on his head, which you could do because he was so tall. I said, and just lean right onto him. I said, his legs are old, and he will give way. And that was, that. was the, the, the one thing the whole game plan was, although good he said, keep Kevin at the end of the, or Kevin has to keep Tyson at the end of the job. That was all part of the play. Good he knew that that wasn't happening at all. He knew that Tyson was going to get inside the job, but the plan was really when Tyson gets inside, to put the body weight on him. You know, use the jabs, use the shots, but put the body weight on him and take the legs from him. And do that early on in the fight and tie him up and wrestle him and, you know, don't try him. You're not going to outbox him and take him into the second half of the fight, and take him into the second half of the fight, and then put it on him a little bit, because Kevin would have been fit enough to do that for 12 rounds, because I tell you what, he trained very hard for that fight, I think it's the only time he ever trained hard for a fight, um, committed 110%, And but the game, the real game plan was to get a Tyson inside, and just lie on him, and put the weight on him, and that was the one real thing that you know Tyson's legs just gave out in the end, but Kevin did put it on him, and Kevin was confident, um, a funny little story, you know, before Kevin even stepped into the ring, um, I was in the dressing room with Tyson and, and, and Fennec when Tyson was getting his hands wrapped and I noticed that, uh, and I would have said it to Fennec today and he probably would have remembered that when he wrapped, I think it was his left or right hand, he put tape over the knuckle, which is illegal. I remember saying, no, that's illegal, he can't do that. Um, you got to remove it and he goes, well, I cut the wraps off. I said, no, just remove the tape, which he did. So he wrapped it again and I just made sure that the knuckles weren't cut for tape and they weren't and that was fine. So, it took a little bit longer and then the fact that Muhammad Ali came into the dressing room while well, this was going on as well, you know, with the with the camera crew from Showtime. So this is amazing for me because I have all this on footage, not just to me, Tyson, Fennec, but Muhammad Ali on the same dressing room. Um, so this took a lot longer. So when I got back to the dressing room with Kevin, you know, what well, should have took half an hour, I was probably gone for an hour. And he was like, Kevin's sitting there, you could see he was looking into in, 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 you know, he was looking into a kind of, I wouldn't say a dark hole, but was, he, this was it. It was here now. He was going to fight Mike Tyson. All the training was gone, everything else was gone, the time was running out. Now he's going to fight Mike Tyson. and I could see it in his eyes that he was a little nervous. He was a little nervous, a little anxious. And I said to him, Kevin, you're going to beat this guy. I said, you go, How do you mean? I said, You're going to beat this guy because I've been in there for nearly an hour. So Tyson's been sitting with his hands shaking. I said, His hands are so, sh-. I said, he's been so nervous. His hands have been shaking. I said he couldn't wrap him. I said it took time to wrap him. He goes, Read it. I says, Yeah. And you can and, and Kevin quote me on this. So Kevin all of a sudden stood up. He was, you know, he was happy. Tyson was shaking. Tyson didn't want to turn up on the night. Tyson was going to get beaten. And so Kevin started putting Vasily in his hand, fix himself. So all of a sudden Kevin had a lift because he knew now I have a chance because Tyson is nervous. So that was yeah. all lies. Tyson was nervous. I just <laughs> yeah, I just, I just it. Right, so, right. Yeah, it was kind of a last minute thing. I says he's you know, he's in there, so he, he's so nervous, his hands are shaking. I said, you're going to beat him, you're going to win. And you going, oh, yeah. Jesus, you know. And if you notice Kevin when he got in the ring, uh, how, how confident Kevin was, he actually grabbed the tricolor off somebody with a yeah. stick and started waving it himself while he was holding yeah. the gloves. And this was before the fight. Yeah. Yeah, know, he, so, he
1: looked pretty relaxed and yeah, pretty, pretty happy. And, uh, no doubt he would have been taking confidence because whenever uh, Tyson loaded up with his biggest shots, like at the start of the second round, he was missing them. So he's telegraphing his biggest shots. Big swing and, yeah. left hook, and left hooks and his biggest shots. And uh, McBride was effective. He wasn't necessarily keeping him on the end of the jab, but he was touching him, touching him the whole time. And
3: he was doubling it and trebling it as well. Kevin was landing uppercuts too, which we worked on the uppercuts as well. And he was landing them yeah. shots as well. He only began to throw more as well uh, as the fight went
1: on. Uh, so you could see Tyson getting uh, frustrated, hit him with a low blow on the third round. Uh, yeah. My Tyson had a good start to, this, to the third round as well. He, he was having good starts to the rounds. Uh, through the uh, first half of the fight but then yeah, Kevin started to throw the uppercut even more so in the third uh, moving into the fourth, I remember seeing that uh, they were still talking about Kevin McBride doing well enough to extend his shelf life, but they weren't uh, on show time. they weren't talking about Kevin McBride actually winning this fight um, no. And but you were probably thinking in the corner we're winning this fight
0: In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today.
3: Yeah, well, you know, boxing is a funny game. You can do everything right in camp and everything that should happen. You know, should happen, and then you step into the ring, and it just all goes wrong. But Kevin, as I say, Kevin was a brave guy. When you have a brave guy who's mentally brave, um, they get into the ring. The mind doesn't go, you know, and it's very easy to, to tell them what to do, and they'll follow the the plan through uh, step by step because they're not nervous. They're confident, and and we could see that that was happening with Kevin. Kevin was confident, and at, funny enough, as the fight went on, you could see the confidence coming from Kevin. He was he was kind of losing confidence. And if you look at Tyson, Tyson was, I think Tyson was biting his thumbs at one stage, coming out for one of the round, he was biting his thumbs, his gloves.
1: Did you ever yeah. feel at any stage that you know in pre- prepping for the fight that you know Tyson might get dirty? And what, what did you expect from him? Um you
3: know, I never really I never really classed Tyson as a dirty fighter. But what I did notice him was that he was kind of like he didn't like to lose. And he would do anything not to lose. And considering that this, and I was right, this was going to be, if he lost to Kevin, that was it, he was done. You know, nobody would, would want to see Tyson fight again. He was done. So, uh, win at all costs, absolutely. And, and you know, when, when Kevin was coming back to the corner and saying, he's at the point, he's at it. We're like, yeah, shut up, he's going to do that anyway. But just, you know, go through weather the storm. Weather the storm, just take, it, you know, weather the storm and and y and you're gonna win this fight. You 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 will win this fight if you weather the storm and you know, if and, and we're you know we're saying to Kevin, you know, don't complain. If you hit you low, rough them up, hit them low back, you know, Show them that you're not here just to make up the numbers. And um it's very hard to, to hit some low when they're probably ten inches short than, you know, but you know, it's rough 'em up, him back. You're you're a big strong man and you know, it, it was just it was that it was that one fight I think too too much for Tyson,
1: uh, and that's what's playing out now. We're into the sixth round, and um, McBride has taken over as the bully in the fourth, and particularly the fifth. Uh, Tyson starts the sixth round quite aggressively with a lot of venom as well. But this time, instead of McBride kind of weathering the storm for the first thirty or forty seconds of the round, he actually meets fire with fire, uh, and Tyson Tyson starts getting frustrated. It's commented upon by Al Bernstein for Showtime, and Tyson grips Kevin's uh, left arm and tries to break it. Uh, everybody sees it, uh, but the referee, John Cortez, doesn't actually take a point, just warns him off. Uh, McBride comes out then with a cut over his left eye after a clash of heads, uh, or seemingly a clash of heads. Cortez takes two points off for a headbutt. So you can see, first half of the sixth round, Tyson is starting to lose all of his discipline. Um, and after the break, for the, after the headbutt, Tyson, I think, throws his last the last sting of a dying wasp. Big left, or big right hand, but it's telegraphed. McBride, yeah. uh, McBride slips out of the way of the punch and then just pours on the pressure uh, and, t- and lands a lot of unanswered shots. Three to four uppercuts, uh, jabs turned into hooks, puts him down against the ropes. And yes. uh, what, what what's going through your mind as, as this is taking place in the sixth round? The sixth round is, is nuts for Tyson, losing all discipline, and then Kevin McBride implementing the game plan more than you could probably have ever imagined.
3: Yeah, well, like I said to you know previously, you know, the, the instruction in the corner was listen, Kevin, you know, don't complain if he butcher or he, whatever he does. five five or four. Like you said, fight five or four. If he hit a low, hit him low back. You know, he's a bully, bully him back. And most bullies don't like to be bullied. So, I, I believe that Kevin had a better engine on the night too because I do know for a fact from being in loads of counts with loads of great fighters that we we left no stone unturned. We trained very hard for that fight and his fitness would not have let him down. He's got a big heart. Kevin's gone to fights, you know, unfit and went 10 rounds. So we we knew, we knew that Tyson was getting frustrated. We knew that his legs were getting a little bit slower. You could see it. he uh, He was getting wild with his shots. You know, he was telegraphing, like you said, he was telegraphing shots. He was getting, he was panicking. Tyson was panicking and we still knew uh, I think this was a t- was it a 10 round fight it wasn't a title fight it was a 10 round fight so we still kind of knew that it was round six, seven, eight, nine, ten. 10 there was five to go and we're like now is your time to start putting it on him Kevin so the first five rounds was to drain him was to put the weight on them, take the legs and that was working that was part of the plan and then the next five rounds was like put it on him Kevin you know manhandle him rough him up and, and, and that's what happened and Kevin Kevin was such an easy guy to follow instructions you, you know he, he just does he did what he was told. And um and it was still it was still a kind of I won't say a shock or a surprise, but we could see that everything was going really according to plan, and we could see that Kevin could win this. However, Mike Tyson lands that one shot and it's fight over. So well, we always it. had
1: one mind. Ten seconds later, Pascal, you're up on Kevin McBride's back and he's carrying yes, you yes. around the ring and he's after winning, uh, winning the fight and Basically stopping Mike Tyson, who failed to answer the bell for the seventh round. Uh, a minute later, you you're you can see you can be seen on the Showtime feed saying to Mike Tyson and you know, just consoling him, saying you're a good man. Uh, and yes. Kevin McBride takes the applause. Mike Tyson promptly retires in the ring, maybe steals some of his thunder. You could suggest, but McBride looks happy, and there's mutual respect between the fighters at the end. And it's yes. just an unforgettable moment.
3: Yeah, well, you know, I've been born... I, I was born into boxing. My dad boxed, my uncle's boxed, my brother's boxed. It's 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 in my blood. It's, you know, I've, I'm boxing to the bone. And I knew Mike Tyson. I knew how Mike Tyson probably felt at that moment because he was a man who was an icon of the heavyweight division who's now, you know, he, he was losing the first that He should never lose to. He's getting booed. And I just went to Mike because at the end of the day, you know, he bleeds like I bleed. And I just says, Mike, you went on that bit too long, you know. Ten years ago, we we wouldn't be here. You you'd have your hand raised, you know. You just went on that for too long. I said, and I had to say that to him because it just that's how I felt. I actually I felt a bit of sadness for him because he was a man who would, he had no money. He was fighting for money, and um, at that time, you know, he must have felt like he just wanted a hole in the ground to open up so he could just climb right into it. So I just yeah. wanted to let him know, you know, I think he five hundred
1: we dollars for the fight, and he only banked. He was only able to bank two hundred and fifty thousand. The rest was to his creditors.
3: My God. My God. That's that, that's amazing. But, you know, it, it, it's funny. America's a funny place for fighters because it seems the more money you make in America, the more money you end up losing or the more broke you become. So, you know, it's crazy. But, there you go. Greatest you sport know? in the
1: world. Well, it's people giving uh, people moments like Kevin McBride uh, enjoyed. And he said after the fight, I'm probably going to be still talking about it in 20 years. And my bet is if he's still with us, he'll still be talking about it in 50 years. And we probably all will be as well.
2: Tyson throwing it all out there. Uh, jumping on McBride. McBride oh, doing the wise wait thing wait and, up, and wait tying wait him up. Wait. But look oh, He's trying to break his arm again. We've seen this look before. At, oh, and McBride the injures his hold hold left hold arm. Hold hey, oh. come here. Come here. Mike, I don't want any rough fighting with you you understand? Remember the Tyson Francois both the fights when he messed up both his arms. We're now in an area where Tyson is very frustrated. And now there's blood around the left eye of McBride. All of a sudden, a cut opens up. Looks like it's over the left eye. Two-point headbutt. Two-point headbutt. Joe Cortez says he's taking 2.20 Go ahead, go ahead. 2.20 remaining in the round, and Tyson trying to end it right here so what that a sense of urgency hard. on both sides Tyson using his head again on the inside and now complaining to Joe Cortez now if this play is stopped they shouldn't go to the scorecards unless Tyson would not if it stopped because of the cut so Tyson reverting to roughhouse tactics here it's an awful round for Mike Tyson less than a minute remaining round six a fight that has shifted dramatically. McBride landing the uppercuts okay, bring up, bring up, from please, close up, range. Tyson too far away, a right uppercut. Two right uppercuts now, landing no, 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 no. by McCride on the hey, chin. Kevin McBride, a journeyman, is making Mike Tyson look like a third-tier heavyweight. 15 seconds left of the sixth round. And if McBride actually wins this round, it would be a 10-7 round. Oh, oh. Not a knockdown, McRyves it is pushing Tyson down, come on, come on. and he's having difficulty come on, come on. getting up. He wants Joe Fartess to help him. He can barely make it to his feet at the bell. Come it's That's over, gone. it's over. Kevin McBride is the winner by Tyson quits Revol- on his score. Revol- Revol- he's not coming out. For the seventh round, it's all over! Kevin, the crowd, the single nation!